Welcome, everybody, to the Worst Take 49ers edition of the Podcast Network. Uh, today, we are here with Jake. Jake, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, I'm Jake, a uh, friend of Matt's, um, just connected through 49er football. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, man. Just looking forward to uh, talking some football today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we start, I just wanted to let everyone know we have two name choices right now that are kind of in the running to change from worst take 49ers. Um, and those two names are Niner Notes and Nuggets of Gold. So if you guys are listening, please give a rating and in your review, pick which one you'd rather, rather listen to. Um, with that said, today's episode is going to be about how Raheem Mostert can be replaced if it ends up coming to that. Um, and to begin, just to start talking about Raheem, recently Raheem came out and said that he wants a raise in his salary. I believe the number that was reported was $1.4 million of a raise and just some change to his guarantees and just an overall contract restructure. Um, the Niners apparently haven't been meeting his demands, and Raheem has now requested a trade. So right away – my first thought was a 28-year-old running back requesting a trade, and that seems very odd to me. Uh, Jake, what were your thoughts just right when the news came out? Uh, I honestly thought it was fake. I didn't believe it because, for me, uh, the other thing, too, was he's a guy who's bounced around a lot from team to team, and he's finally had success, especially at the running back position uh, here in San Francisco. So I was a little bit shocked at the fact that he would be so willing to, you know, request a trade out so quickly. Yeah. So last off season, Raheem signed a three-year $8.7 million contract. And I remember when that came out, everyone was kind of like, why are they doing this? They don't need to do this. This guy yeah. doesn't need a new contract. And it was almost like, Oh, we're helping you out, Raheem. Here you go. You're a great special teamer. We like the potential you have in our system at running back. And I thought it was very odd. I don't really understand the point because Raheem has probably as close as you can to zero leverage in the situation. Um, exactly. He's making 2.5 this year and 2.8 in 2021. Um, the guarantees, I don't think there's really like any guarantees these next couple of years. I've read that somewhere. Uh, maybe he has like some workout guarantees and, and smaller guarantees, but not like true, true guarantees. Um, but he plays running back. He's 28. The Niners were his either his sixth or seventh team. So to me, it was super odd. I don't know why the Niners feel they're not going to feel obligated to pay him. Um, number one, George Kittle isn't extended. And then George Kittle came out and said that he's going to go to training camp. So that did not look good for Raheem at all. And then no. – on top of that, we have COVID-19 right now, and the season's in jeopardy. I think that's a lot of the reason why George Kittle hasn't been resigned. I really do, just because it seems like it'd be smart to wait. George Kittle's already said that he's going to come during training camp. They might want to just wait it out and kind of let George know, like, hey, like, we want to see what's going on. And, and that'd be fair. And the same thing with Raheem. If you're going to do this restructure with Raheem, it makes no point to do it in this summer. 
absolutely no point. So yeah, I don't know. Weird situation, definitely, Jake. I I think, uh, and I want to get into touch on the contracts and stuff. Um, I know a lot of uh, money's coming off the books, but that money isn't really coming off the books at the end of this season. When you look at the guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents, you have Kittle, Sherman, Trent Williams, Uzcheck, uh Blair, DJ Jones, uh, Bourne, Coleman, and you know that's just to name a few. So there's a lot of guys who need to get paid this offseason, and I know that what he's asking for is just around, you know, a couple million dollars in pay increase, but that doesn't seem like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, that is a lot of money when you have so many names uh, who want raises, especially a guy like Kittle, who's, you know, we're talking about a guy who's making, you know, on his rookie deal, he's going to be jumping out of the stratosphere. This isn't even going to be a traditional tight end contract. He might be in the 15 to $18 million, you know, range. So, I, I don't know if I can justify, you know, giving him a, a slight pay increase. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do about it. And you brought up those those incoming contracts. Along with those guys, I know that you in the secondary, you have Sherman, you have Kwaski Tart. Yep. You have Akella Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mos- Mosley is going to be a restricted free agent. So they'll, they'll easily retain him. Right. But that's three of your, I mean, two and a half, I guess, of your starting four players in the secondary. Yeah. And, oh, and, and sorry, and, and Quan Williams. So your slot corner as well. So three and a half out of the, the five guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's going to be crazy. It is. That's, it's a lot of money to, you know, pay each one of these guys, especially a proven vet like Sherman. And uh, I also think Tart is probably going to want, you know, bigger contract as well. Um. But, I mean, not only that, I mean, you know, Trent Williams is up next season too. And that's, you know, that's another really big contract. So they're going to have to figure some way to make cap space. And I'm sure there are going to be guys who are going to be on the bubble, like D Ford, who is a cut mm-hmm. candidate next season to clear maybe some space. And, you know, maybe McKinnon doesn't come back. Maybe they decide, you know, Mostert is the better option over McKinnon and they all give Mostert the raise, but it's too early to, you know, tell really um, with, with Mostert, especially since he just got a new contract. Yeah, that's what, that was the part that didn't really make that much sense to me. And then next season, you talked about it, Coleman and McKinnon are done. And I mean, obviously McKinnon hasn't played, he hasn't played a game yet in the 49ers jersey besides preseason. But they could easily walk away from those two guys. Um, and, and we've kind of brought up the, the, the whole situation. But today I wanted to really get into how if, – if Raheem doesn't play, holds out – I don't think he's holding out for a million bucks, just saying. But if yeah. he, or, or if they do trade him, they go, okay, you want to like, try to pull this? We're going to trade you. I think that they'll be fine. I really think they'll be fine. Um, obviously, on the roster from last season – they have Tevin Coleman, they got Jet McKinnon, and they got Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, McKinnon, kind of a wild card. Coleman, a lot of people like to hate on Coleman. I don't think that it's really that fair. I think he's solid. I don't think he's great. I think that it was pretty clear um, that Mostert was better than him last season. He played better. But I don't think Coleman's a bad player or anything. Um, and then along with those three guys, you got two undrafted rookies that are honestly pretty promising. And we'll definitely get into them a lot. 
you got Jamichael Hasty and you got Salvin Ahmed. Um, so those guys, let's I, let's start off with Coleman. So last season, Coleman had 137 attempts, which is the ha- the same as Raheem Mostert. Um, he only had 544 yards, six touchdowns, only four yards four yards per carry. Um, along with that, he had 21 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown. He missed some time. I felt that after he got hurt, he seemed a little bit slower. Obviously, he came back yeah. and had that big Panthers game. But after that, it took him a while. And then he did really well against the Vikings. So he's, he's an interesting player. He's real fast. 40 time, 4.39. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I, I – I share the same sentiments on Coleman. Uh, people forget week one he goes down with, a, I believe it was sprained ankle against uh, Tampa Bay. And, uh, I mean, that's not an easy in, uh, injury to come back from. Now, I know we had, you know, great depth and there wasn't really a whole lot of rush. But in a football season, you're playing banged up regardless. So, you know, he's, you know, pushing himself back. And it's not going to, you know, heal right away. It, it, you know, you're still playing a season. You're still trying to rush yourself back. You know, he probably felt like, you know, in some way, shape, or form, the team needs him. He's trying to get back healthy. And uh, I think he was a great complimentary back to uh, Mostert. I thought that, you know, he did have a couple games, like the Panthers game you were mentioning, where he played um, really, really well. And I think if he was given the majority of the uh, workload next season, I would be fine with that. I like Coleman a lot, and I think he's a super viable running back, especially in a Shanahan system. Yeah, so we bring that up. Here's the thing. Here's the other guy. And going into this year, this kind of seemed like how the running back room would work is Coleman's the one and two bat down back. McKinnon's in there as a third down back. And then you have Brita to kind of supplement them. Like Raheem wasn't really even in the conversation going into this year. Obviously, Kyle knew that he was, but – Overall, fans didn't really believe that. People in the NFL media didn't really know about that, that much about most. Um, right. But McKinnon. McKinnon has missed the last two seasons. What were, what were your thoughts when they signed him? Because they signed him for a big deal, high running back money. But what, what was, like, your initial thoughts when he got signed with the Niners? So I, I am really, really anti-paying running backs. Unless you have a transcendent talent like a um, Christian McCaffrey – or Saquon Barkley, I do not like paying running backs. So I was not super amped on the deal, especially given how much money I believe at the time it was the fourth highest um, running back contract in the league. So that was a little bit concerning. But going into this season, obviously he's a big question mark because you're looking at back-to-back seasons of ACL injuries, and that's uh, worrisome, obviously. But I think that if he puts the work in, I think he will actually make the team because one thing that San Francisco really lacked last year was pass catching ability out of the backfield. And McKinnon is a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And I think a lot of people forget it because he's been you know, out so long. And uh, that's really something that Kyle Shanahan, I think, is missing. Um, he, he likes to have uh, guys who can receive out of the backfield and I think that if McKinnon even comes back as a, a fraction of himself that he was in Minnesota, because that final season, he really showed flashes of greatness. Uh, I think that 
he's, you know, pretty, he'll, he'll make the, the roster, I think, pretty convincingly if he can uh, show some flashes. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I don't know how it's going to play out just because of the injuries, but right. as, as a talent, when he was coming on onto the Niners, it was like, oh, Kyle's going to know how to use this guy and he is going to flourish. Um, it's kind of the – what we expect out of him is is definitely dropped down quite a bit. Um, but if you haven't really thought about Jeff McKinnon in a little while, remember this, and I don't know if you know this, Jake, he has a 100 percentile spark score. And I don't know if you're familiar with what a spark score is, but it's basically a way to measure a player's physical abilities. And this guy is, is like – nuts. He's, he's 100%. So – He's up there with the Saquon Barkleys, the yeah. the Danian Tomlinsons. He's that level athletic. He's he's not as big as them. I, I don't think he's super tall. Not quite as tall as those guys. But he had a crazy bench press, and he also ran a four three eight. Also super quick. Um, and you notice these last two guys, sub four four guys. That's how Shanahan likes his running backs. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm excited. I hope he plays. I actually just recently picked him up in my Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Kind of a long shot guy. But if he's on the roster and he's healthy, there's no reason to not believe that he's their third down back. He's got to be. He's exactly. Gotta be third down back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mo- moving on from him, Jeff Wilson Jr. So Jeff Wilson Jr., in and out of the practice squad, had maybe. Uh, one of I don't know if it was the coolest, but definitely one of the best 49er moments last season. For sure. On that little crossing pattern across the middle, the little arrow route. Um, and that, that game was just sick. That was one of my favorite games out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And ended it off, exclamation point, great celebration as well. Um, but Jeff Wilson, he's about Kevin Coleman's size. He's six foot, 213. Coleman has an inch and weighs three pounds less than him. So very similar size running backs, a little bit bigger than the McKinnons, the Breedas, the Raheem Mosterts, a little bit bigger than them uh, are Coleman and Wilson Jr. But last season, Wilson had five touchdowns, I believe. Didn't average that good of yards per carry, a little under four yards. Um, and he only ran a four five seven forty. So I find it interesting just looking at these patterns Wilson's an undrafted guy, not that fast of a 40, but it was pretty clear that his role was to be Tevin Coleman's backup, like specifically his backup. Um, And what I've kind of noticed is Raheem was Matt Breda's backup, I feel like at the beginning of the year, because they kind of have these two running backs they like to use. And then Raheem Mostert surpassed Breda in the depth chart and Tevin Coleman stayed ahead of Jeff Wilson Jr. all year. So you kind of have these two sections of running backs it's just interesting to me um but Wilson Jr. to me was clearly Coleman's backup yeah I mean Wilson you know he's all right I don't think he's going to be anything special I think he's specifically there for cases like last year where you know if we're getting bit by the injury bug and you need a guy to come in and you know fill your roster I think he's definitely a serviceable guy um I mean he's not gonna you know blow you away He's, he's not one of those guys, but he's definitely a guy who's going to come in. And I think, uh, you know, he's, he's good enough to, if we were to, let's say, get rid of Mostert, he's good enough to be that third running back on the depth chart, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, so I kind of, I brought up how like 
started to bring up how Kyle Shanahan seems to like this two type of running back, these two type of running backs. And you have a Tevin Coleman and then a Jeff Wilson Jr., that type of style. Clearly, Kyle loves Tevin Coleman. I mean, he drafted him in, what, the second round and then signed him after he moved to the 49ers. I think that Kyle really sees a huge value in Tevin Coleman. I think that I brought this up last season. It was kind of slowed down, but he likes that mold of player and he likes to pair that mold of player with a very fast guy that gets through the line of scrimmage and is a complete runner. That's what he seems to really like. Or a guy like a McKinnon, it kind of works vice versa, but these quick shifty backs, because Coleman isn't that shifty. He's more of a straight line speed guy more of a big powerful running guy yeah. and it seems that it seems that Kyle I mean he's the running back guru like everyone knows that Kyle knows how to find these running backs but he likes these specific style players and Tevin Coleman fits that one role and then that other role Raheem Mostert looked like he was going to fit it and that's what their plan is going this year they go oh we got that one-two punch and that's how it was at the end of the last season but I think it's interesting because it seems like Tevin Coleman's now a lock to stay on the team if Raheem's not, which I already think he was, but they might try to keep him for some extended seasons after this. Um, but do you kind of agree with that, that he likes that two-type mold running back? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's pretty evident. Um, I-, I think for him specifically, too, um, he he really likes to ride the hot hand. So, you know, if he's starting a game out last season, for example, uh, I think in the Packers game, he starts out with Coleman in the, uh, in the conference championship. He started out with Coleman, and it wasn't that the offense wasn't doing well, but we just weren't pushing the ball down the field enough. And I think that's when he subbed him out and then went with Moster and realized, okay, you know, he's got the hot hand. Let's leave him in. And I think that's what he really likes to do. I think he did this, uh, a similar thing in Atlanta with um, Freeman and Coleman. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, more times than not, Freeman was the hot hand there. Um, but yeah, I think especially with San Francisco, he's shown that he likes to ride whoever's hot. And, you know, obviously last season, it was more times than not, it was Mostert. But I definitely think fully healthy Coleman has a chance to put up maybe even better numbers than uh, Mostert did. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but Niners fans, let's not hope to get uh, Devontae Freeman signed. I don't really know about him. He's uh, he's had some (laughs) he's had some injury concerns, and for some reason, he'd probably still come at a pretty expensive price tag. So I don't want to I don't want to see that going on. Um, Before we move on to the two undrafted guys, because I know we both kind of watched some some tape of them, you know, watch their, their highlights, their tape. I watched a few games of each of them. Um, I wanted to bring up this point is that there's also other guys that line up in the 49ers backfield and get carries. You have Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk's more of a tight end than a halfback, I'd say. But you do have him. He's back there, usually the lead blocker, of course, playing fullback. But then you also have Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. And by no means are they running backs, but they get carries. And they – well, Debo has got carries. Jalen Hurd is likely to get carries. But they are going, they are a part of the ground game. So I wanted to bring them up as replacements for Mostert in the sense that they will get a couple carries a game. You know, you can count on these – however many carries you need. 
I remember last season there was a, a post-game press conference, or maybe it wasn't really a – it was a locker room talk after the game. And Kyle Shanahan basically come out, came out and said, we knew that we had to get more carries to win this game, and they got like 20, 30 more carries than the other team. I think it might have been the Packers game or the Vikings game. And, look, those are two guys that can rack up some carries right there. A couple of game, you know, maybe you get one at Jalen Hurd, one at Debo, two or three of them, you know, but that counts. That counts into the running game. So I wanted to bring those guys up real quick. Well, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit hypothetically here even, too. Let's just say, you know, worst-case scenario, the 49ers do have to move on from Moster. Well, how do you eat up those carries? So, uh, you know, if – things do work out and let's say McKinnon is back he's going to eat up carries you're going to have Coleman who will eat up you know plenty of carries you you're going to have a guy like Wilson coming in you know every now and then to eat up a few carries but I think Debo and Hurd are great options to eat up some carries um, I mean all you have to look at is the Seattle game in week 17 and uh, the Super Bowl and Debo had two amazing carries in those two games and um uh, Heard was a running back at Tennessee. So that tells you all you need to know about, you know, getting, eating up carries. I, I think that they won't struggle finding guys to eat carries for them. Yeah, just, and you brought up Heard as a running back. Heard is a very interesting case. Six foot four running back, turned wide receiver. He was good at wide receiver, and he was a third round pick. So Heard hasn't got that much talk about him. I am super excited for Heard. I was probably more excited for Hurd last season, like going into last season, than I was for Debo, just because the her, the potential that Hurd has is crazy. It's I not think, it's not common that you see a guy that's six foot four who can play running back and wide receiver. You know? Yeah, and I think uh, another thing to point out too, um, really, that's going to take this offense to the next level next season is you mentioned heard obviously we've talked about him a little bit um you know he's going to be a big red zone guy I feel like you know six four how can you not be um but not only that you're getting Trent Taylor back who was I think a lot of people forget Jimmy Garoppolo's go-to weapon uh in 2017 in the six games that you know he first came here so there's a little bit more potential there I, th I think than people realize um there's plenty of good weapons on this team and, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be running the ball as much this year. I think there will be more trust in Garoppolo. So that naturally, too, will take away carries as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I'm probably going to do a full segment on, you know, these, like, these wide receivers that we don't really know. Like, they're kind of wild cards, like a Trent Taylor, because I'm very high on him, very high on Jalen Hurd. Not as high on Dante Pettis, um, but going to kind of talk about those guys later in another show. But definitely like that you brought them up because I do agree that this offense is going to have to rely more on the passing game. And I think that they might do better with that. Their offense might put up more points. You know, they might, they might just be a better, more sound offense. But that's definitely something that's interesting going into next year. Um, with all that said, I want to get into – I'll start with Jermichael Hasty. So – Jamichael Hasty was the Baylor running back. He has dreads. I believe he's number six. And he is five foot eight, 205 pounds. So he's short, but he is a real bulky dude. He's tough. 
Last season, he had 109 attempts, 1,895 yards. That's a 5.2 yards per carry average. 13 touchdowns. He had 25 receptions, 184 yards, no receptions through the air, and he ran a 4.39. Once again, under a 4.440. That's a big thing for Shanahan. Um, just looking at those measurables, Jake, it's got to remind you of some of these guys in the roster, right? Like he just he oh, seems for like sure. Them. Yeah, no question. And I honestly feel like a great comp for him is Mostert because I was watching a, you know, a couple of his tapes and one thing that popped me, good speed, obviously, as you mentioned, 439 speed, he's flying. Um, also, he's, uh, Mostert doesn't do this as much, but I noticed that he, he's not afraid to initiate contact. He'll power through some defenders, he'll lower the shoulder a little bit. Um, but what, where he really reminded me of Moster is there were uh, several plays on special teams where he really stood out. And that, to me, it just feels like a perfect uh, hypothetical Moster replacement. You know, I think really, for me at least, losing Moster hurts mostly on special teams because he's a great special teams player. And a lot of people don't realize that because special teams is underappreciated. You know, he's a great gunner. Um, a lot of people don't remember because we were so far ahead of the Vikings in that uh, divisional game, but he punched the ball out late or he first uh, forced that fumble, whatever it was, on the, the punt return. So, you know, you, what you're losing on special teams is almost more significant than what you're losing at running back. And Hasty, he can fill that role, you know, pretty good. Yeah, no. And I remember that one specifically. I, I would say that Mostert was definitely one of the best gunners in the league. And you brought up that he doesn't really bring as much pop as Hasty does, or at least you don't see it that much where he's initiating contact. But when he's running down the field as a gunner, he lights guys up. I remember a couple seasons ago even when he was first on the Niners and he had very, very few carries, but that was his, his sole responsibility was being that gunner he would come flying down and he jacked a couple dudes. So he's a great, Mostert is a great special teams player, but Hasty, yeah, Hasty brings a little bit of pop. So I watched a couple games of him, watched his Oklahoma tape, his Texas Tech tape, and I think another one as well. Um, so one of the things that immediately stood out to me, he was pretty damn good at pass blocking for a college running back. He had a ton of responsibility. And one time a, an edge rusher, it was either an edge rusher on a stunt or a middle linebacker that came in and Hasty popped him. Like he'd kind of knocked, stumbled the dude out, like knocked him over. Um, and that was just pure leverage right there. But his technique in his pass blocking game is really good. Um, and a lot of that is, is his feet. You brought up that he hits the hole and he's kind of gone. He, he has quick feet and it's not super, he's not super easy to tackle. Um, another thing that I was surprised to see on tape with the pass blocking was he was good out of the backfield as a receiver. He only had 184 yards on through the air on 25 catches, but it seemed like it seemed like he was a real presence in the receiving game and he was running crisp routes, like very, very good. And so that was something that I took away. Um, another thing I took away, I mean, he's fast. He's a fast player. He hits a hole and he's gone. Um, and he had a lot of responsibility in that Baylor offense. So I thought that was really interesting. My overall takeaway from him was that if he can hit the holes a little bit quicker, sometimes a little bit hesitant of finding the holes, 
of, you know, figuring out where to go, he has a chance to be really good next year. And to be an, to not only make the team, but have an impact on the team. That's what my takeaway was him, of him was. Um, and I brought up that he's, he's a complete player, like really complete for an undrafted guy. He can pass block. He can be a receiver out of the backfield. He ran inside and outside and he's pretty complete. I think he gets better at hitting the hole quicker. And I think you could see a, a good year out of him actually. Right. He's, I mean, he's pretty polished, but obviously, you know, no rookie is perfect. Um, I think with a lot of these undrafted guys, the one thing that you notice is the second that the 49ers get a, a hold of these guys, um, it's just, they just pop, you know, uh, Mosley, I believe was undrafted born. Uh, I think shocked a lot of people early on too. So, you know, we, we've done a, a lot of, um, a lot of good things with undrafted players and, you know, I, I don't feel like Hasty will be any different if he can fight for a job on the team. I think that if he can get a full season under Shanahan and the coaching staff here, I think he can pop. I think that he's going to turn a lot of heads and, you know, he might not be the main option, but I think he'll be a good option for the 49ers. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and of course, like you brought up, he's a, he's not only a rookie, but he's an undrafted rookie. You know, he did not get drafted. I was surprised just watching him. Like this guy seems like a guy you'd want on your team, (laughs) but it's true. You know, he's not going to be perfect or anything like that, but very, very interesting that he was, he's came, I came across him as being a pretty complete player for, for being an undrafted guy. Um, And one thing I wanted to bring up about him was if Jarek McKinnon is not healthy, this might be the guy that replaces him. Um, and, of course, we don't want to see that from McKinnon, but I think that's a possibility. And that was, that was my big takeaway with Hasty. Yeah, and, and that could definitely be the case, uh, especially you mentioning the pass-catching side of things, because that was something that I was bringing up with McKinnon. I think that's what they really hope to receive out of McKinnon. Obviously, uh, McKinnon can fly as well. You know, he's a, he's a pretty quick back. Um, I think you know, naturally he might lose a little bit of that speed just because I I don't think anybody is keeping up with that speed after two ACL injuries. I hope he proves me wrong, but, uh, you know, after two ACLs, it's hard to fly as fast as you once did. But yeah, I mean, as you were mentioning about the pass catching ability, um, if McKinnon doesn't come back and, and, you know, prove that, you know, I can come out third and long and I can be the third down guy, then Hasty has a role on this team for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on from Hasty, I'm I'm definitely high on him. Salvin Ahmed, so Washington running back, and we brought up how Jermichael Hasty's kind of that Raheem Moster, Jarek McKinnon build of a player. Well, Ahmed is that Jeff Wilson Jr., Tevin Coleman type guy, and what I think just watching him is that he's here to push for Jeff Wilson Jr.'s spot. Maybe he's the third back. Maybe he's the fourth back on the practice squad. But I think that he's here to push for Jeff Wilson Jr.'s spot, not Tevin Coleman. Um, He's, real quick, I'll go over the measurables and then give me a little take on him. He's 5'11", 196 pounds. Last season, he rushed for a little 1,020 yards, 5.8 carry, 11 touchdowns. 16 catches, 258 yards, no touchdowns, 
through the air. And this was interesting to me. He ran a 4.6740. And I'll kind of get into the 40 later because I don't think it tells the whole story. But what do you think about Ahmed going into uh, next year? Yeah, well, I think you hit the, the nail on the head with him. Um, I think he is more so competing with Wilson. I don't, I don't think much of him really uh, as opposed to Hasty. I feel like Hasty is the higher upside guy. Um, but I will say about Ahmed, you know, you, you read off some of his stats. He does fit um, the build of Coleman, of Wilson. And I think that's kind of the point is to bring him in and at least, you know, have competition. You know, you want to have competition in camp. And, uh, you know, as we were saying when we were covering Wilson, he didn't, you know, he's not a guy who jumps off the screen at you. He's, he's nothing, you know, super special. And, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, Ahmed comes into camp and he just shines and we realize he's clearly better than Wilson. And there you go. You know, that's beneficial to your team. That's how, you know, you get better. A lot of people want to know how you get better. If you've made the Super Bowl. that's how you get better. You know, little things like that add up and they make a difference throughout the course of a, you know, 16 game season. So yeah, you know, I don't read too much into this, but I think that he's a good depth signing and I think he's going to create competition in, the, uh, in camp. Yeah, and the, the Niners front office and whole organization with Shanahan and Lynch has kind of been talking about, all right, we want to see that competition. This is a great example of that right here. Um, and then, so when I was looking through Ahmed, my takeaways were that, first of all, he has great balance. He, he would almost get tackled, he'd get his feet hit, and he would stay up. Um, also, I brought that he had a 4'6", 40-yard dash. He is way faster than 4'6". I don't know if he was hurt or his game speed is just completely different than his track speed, but he does not look like a 4'6 guy. He is hitting the holes and he is flying. Even, even I'd say a little bit more so than Jamichael Hasty in the fact that he hits the holes quicker. That's what, that was the one thing that I would say that a little bit different from with his build being like kind of like that Tevin Coleman build is that he hits the holes quick like Raheem Mostert. He does. Because that was the thing that made Mostert so successful in the offense was that, bam, he hits those holes, he's gone. Ahmed processes the blocking very quickly. I don't know if that's just that Washington has a better offensive line, there's more holes, or the system is easier to run in, but he would hit the holes so damn quick. Um, with that, he changes direction super well. Nice start-stop movement, does some nice stutter steps, get, gets open, makes the first guy miss quite a bit. And he kind of has this bob and weave running style, which is really interesting. So I thought he was a really good runner. Didn't see too much out of him on third down, but definitely has some value. Um, and he was a, he looked like a talented runner. So I, I wonder what the whole story is with his 40, because a four, six, seven is not is less than ideal to say the least, but he did not look like he ran a four, six, seven. Right. And, uh, I can't, you know, speak so much on the tape. I didn't really get around to watching too much tape on him. But what I will say is um, going off, you know, what you're saying, um, you know, if that is the case, you know, there are guys who obviously show up to the combine and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're pro days and they're hurt, you know, but they want to, you know, get on the draft board. How do I get drafted? And you have to play through injury. You have to play through pain, whatever. 
you know, whether he's recovering from a surgery or, you know, he was hiding an injury, whatever it may have been, um, you know, if, if he can play faster than four, six, um, that'll, that'll bode well for him coming into camp for sure. Yeah. So uh, those are kind of my thoughts on those two undrafted guys, Ahmed and Hasty. But do you have any other thoughts just on this overall predicament that the 49ers have been put into? Well, I, I think the best thing for San Francisco to do is either hold Mostert or move on from him and take whatever little value you can get. Um, I mean, we mentioned a couple good options. Um, I think, you know, if McKinnon, Wilson, Coleman work out, I think that's plenty serviceable. If Hasty makes the roster, uh, if Ahmed makes the roster, you know, great. I, I think those are, you know, fine options as well to replace them. I also just think that um, money-wise, you know, this isn't a one-and-done kind of thing. You know, he's got another year on his deal. And like you were saying, it's just going to be hard to fit him in. I mean, basically the entire secondary needs a new contract aside from Jimmy Ward. You have Kittle who's going to be requesting huge money. Um, I would not let DJ Jones walk. I, I think he needs to get paid his money, especially now with Buckner gone. You cannot let him walk. Trent Williams needs a new contract. Um, Coleman will need to get re-upped. Um, Juszczyk, obviously, I mean, you have to have Juszczyk. He's what makes these running backs so great. Um, so it's, it's hard. I know it's only a couple million. Uh, it's just, but like I said earlier about McKinnon, I'm, I'm just not big on paying running backs a ton of money, especially when you have great undrafted options like Hasty. Um, so I don't know. They're in a little bit of a tough pickle um, with with salary. Um, I think if you can hold him at the price that he's at right now, you do it. But obviously, if he's not going to budge, you you have to just trade him and get whatever value you can. Yeah, and I think he. I think at the end of the day, either they'll give him some type of incentive boost, guarantee boost to make him happy, or he'll end up playing on his current contract. I don't think he'll end up getting traded just because, one, I don't know what market is, there's going to be for him to trade for Raheem Mostert and then extend him or then increase his salary. I don't know of a team that's going to do that with a 28-year-old running back that's been cut from six teams. Um, and I, I think I really like Mostert. I do, but it just doesn't seem – like he has the leverage or like it's his time to kind of dictate what's going on contract wise when he was extended one season ago. So really interesting. Yeah. I wonder how Parag and the front office is going to work this out. I have faith that they will get it done and they'll get the backfield in place. That's kind of where I stand with it. Yeah. And one final thing I just wanted to add really quick was um, you know, I'm usually super pro player. Like I want Kittle to get his bag. You know, he deserves it. I'm, I'm always pro player. I thought Garoppolo deserved to get paid. I think Kittle de deserves to get paid. I talked about how DJ Jones wants, like I am pro player all the way, but you know, it is a business and to get these guys paid, you have to make tough decisions. And when you're three, four deep at running back, there is zero need to pay a guy like this. And one thing we talked about a little bit um, off air was the fact that, you know, Moster is kind of shoving the blame, him and his agent on the 49ers. 
he wants more money, this and that. When in reality, Mostert should be upset with his agent for, you know, not adding any kind of rushing incentives or anything like that. When, you know, the 49ers were giving him what was a generous contract at the time for just being a gunner. So I think as a 49er fan, it, it tears me up because, uh, you know, I'm a Mostert guy. He, he went off in the playoffs and, you know, you hate to see a guy like this requesting a trade. I'm usually very pro player, but in this instance, I, I, I'm just not, you know, I, I side with the front office here and I think they just need to wait it out. Yeah. Um, you brought up Kittle getting his bag. Very, very interested to see where that goes. We, I had a podcast earlier with another person with Worst Take Network, Parsa, and I think my final offer, what I thought he was going to get was $15 million a year. It was a five-year, what is it, $75 million contract. I believe that's what it is. So it's 15 annually, and I think it was 40 million guaranteed. So like, it's kind. Of, I think it's kind of in the middle of where people think it is. I heard somewhere that he's projecting to get around 13 million a year, and some people are talking about him getting 20. I think that's really overblown. Like, I just don't think that that's his market. But it'll be. I'm I'm so intrigued by that contract, and I'm I'm really excited to see how it works out. I see almost zero chance that he's traded, and I think that really. 49ers Twitter is just getting too excited about that. They're going to trade him like they traded Buckner. Like, come on guys. <laughs> I, I mean, Kittle is the oil to the machine, not only of the offense, but the team. I just watched a clip on him of Twitter probably like two, three hours ago. And he's hyping up Bosa and uh, you know, Armstead and he's hyping up Warner. And, you know, so he is really the glue that holds a lot of this team together similar to how I think Gronk was in New England for all those years. So to lose him uh, would, would be, I mean, that's a travesty. You cannot let him walk. Uh, what I will say is, uh, one, they're not going to trade him um, unless he absolutely, you know, blew this thing out like Jamal Adams is doing. Um, I don't think there's any way that they trade him. Um, I do think like the 18 to $20 million range is a little steep and I just don't think that's very realistic for a guy like Kittle just being with where the market is at. Um, I I agree with your sentiment that 15 million is probably where it will end up because I believe Hooper just signed for 12 million and I think that's the highest paid right now. Um, Yeah and and he also he also had a very low amount of guarantees so it's super like incentive based which is interesting. And I think also for the 49ers you want to get this done as soon as possible um, in terms of, you know, within some time, probably before the season starts, because not only is it, you know, imperative that you lock this guy up, but, you know, Kelsey's deal, I believe is coming up pretty soon here uh, around Kittles. Ertz's deal is coming up and, you know, these are guys, you know, Hunter Henry just got franchise tagged. So you don't want to drag this, um, this problem on any longer than it needs to go either because the reality is it's either you pay this guy, you know, let's just say 15 is the number you pay him 15 now, or you risk paying him 18, 19, 20 in a year or two after you, you know, tag him or you put off the negotiations, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, 
with all that stuff said, Jake, I think it's about time to wrap up, but I just wanted to thank you one more time for coming on. Uh, I, I, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, anytime you want me on, man, this is a pleasure. Yeah, of course. It was a great talk. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how not only the 49ers contracts play out, but like we brought up today, this backfield, it's going to be interesting. Um, not only for 49, for 49er fan purposes, but also for fantasy purposes. Like this is that backfield that you never know what's going on with. So maybe, maybe Tevin's the guy this year, you know, that would be something that would be real interesting. Maybe a guy like Jamichael Hasty that we brought up emerges, but a lot of ways this can play out. So Super, had a great fun time having you on and just wanted to thank you one more time. Hey.